Jesus. We are still in the book of James, and we are uh, teaching uh, James principles of practical um, Christianity. And uh, we have uh, got into some good stuff here in the book of James, and uh, it's not... um, it's not over with yet. Amen. And we're going to continue um, to um, tonight. And if you recognize the next sound you hear, we're going to know what you have been um, uh, listening to. Hallelujah. Tonight's lesson, The Real Family Feud. Now, we're not going to be passing out any cash prizes, but um, we're going to talk about The Real Family Feud. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, you all time wanting something to hit, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We are going to be um, reading from James chapter 4 and uh, beginning at verse 6. And let's just read this and then we're going to talk about it some tonight. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Hallelujah. Brother Kyle missed the introduction music. I'll let him hear a little introduction music. <laughs> okay, let's read on. Number th- You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, Do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now you think pastor sometimes gets a little little tight. Now that is tight right there. Hallelujah. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Last verse, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. And from that, we're going to be talking about the real family feud. Now, in order to move forward with some continuity uh, in our scriptures, 
we must actually begin our study tonight with the last couple of verses of the previous chapter. Uh, if you will remember, as I've explained to everybody before, chapter and verse divisions were not a part of the original text of the Bible. The Bible was not written with uh, divisions and chapters and also verses. Uh, that was put in by, by Bible scholars over a thousand years after the Bible itself was, was put together. These breaks were added many centuries later in order to make it easier to refer to specific passages. Therefore, even though this verse begins a new chapter, James is continuing a single train of thought from chapter 3, where he just compared the results of living by the wisdom of heaven versus results of living by the world's wisdom. So let's back up uh, to um, uh, chapter 3, at beginning of verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Willing to yield. That includes that guy tries to cut you off while you're on the way to work or trying to come home. <laughs> Full of mercy. And good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, right here is where he talks about uh, the importance in this passage. James has been describing the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Amen. If, if you'll notice, he said, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Notice that word peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who Make peace. Then he goes right in to the next verse, which is chapter 4. Then he says, But where do wars and fights come from among you? Um, he was describing worldly wisdom and encourages us, um, and worldly wisdom encourages us to be selfish and greedy, but to put our own interests before the needs of others. God's wisdom, on the other hand, leads to peace, mercy, and sincerity. Can somebody say amen? amen? James concludes his thought from the previous verse with a beautiful word picture. Imagine fields full and ready to harvest. The crop of this field is righteousness, goodness, and everything those who belong to God, would hope to see in the world. How did it get there? The crop was planted by those who make peace. Amen. 
Notice here. Go back. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I cannot overstress the importance that the God's people needs to be peacemakers. And in the kingdom of God, it's more important that you strive to make peace in the church rather than trying to prove that you're the right one and the was the wrong one. Hallelujah. That is one area that fightings and war and quarrels and issues come from. I mean, bless God, I'm going to have the last word. Come on, somebody. Well, God knows I'm the one right and she's wrong. Well, that might be. That, 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 might, that might be. I might be right. She might be wrong. She is most of the time that way anyway. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I, ca- I can't say nothing about catching long brother Paul's around. <clears throat> Uh, uh, it's <laughs> it's whether I'm no matter who's right and who's wrong it's more important that peace abound and if you want to talk about wanting to be righteous and holy before God this scripture lets you know that this is how you begin to sow righteousness in your life. It's not by uh, uh, doing certain deeds or doing certain things, but the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. That's how it starts. Righteousness and holiness begins in peace and those who sow it there. So let's move on. Um, these are believers who know God is meeting every need, giving many good gifts. Such people don't feel the need to fight against others um, for what they need. You know, now this is going back to everything that we read. He said, why is there war and, and fightings among you? You lust and have not, uh, and, and so on. And you, you know, you don't have because you don't ask. And uh, uh, they don't. Think about making uh, peace. The world's wisdom states that human beings, now listen, and get this, the, what the world says, what the world's wisdom is, the world's wisdom states that human beings are responsible to identify what they want out of life and make a plan to get it at all costs. That's the way the world thinks. Figure out what you want, and you get it no matter what it costs. This has become such a normal perspective that even Christians may see nothing abnormal about it. It even sounds industrious to most of us. The problem with this attitude is that it puts the focus of our lives on ourselves. Success, according to the world, is defined by whether we get what we want out of life. 
Hallelujah. Worldliness is driven by envy. I want that. And selfish ambition. I will do whatever it takes to get that. Now that is exactly what James was dealing with as he was writing uh, uh, right here when he said, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Now, this is, he's, he, remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to the body of Christ. You're not talking about wars going on in the world. Amen. He's talking about all kind of divisions and schisms and problems within the body. He asks the question, where, where does this kind of stuff come from? He says, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Then he calls them adulterers and adulterers. Do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? See, the reason why he said that is because that we begin to think like the world thinks and we follow the pattern of the world when we put ourselves first. And we don't do what the Bible says, prefer your brother over yourself. Um, so, I want to read the same uh, set of scriptures again, but I'm going to read them through the Phillips translation of the New Testament. I like the way this is translated. Going back, reading, beginning to first verse, um, verse one, and you're going to find out now why I call this this lesson tonight the real family feud. But about the feuds and struggles that exist among you, notice among you within the body. Not between you and a sinner who lives next door to you, a sinner next door neighbor. So what is talking about? What about the feuds? And if we're all part of the family of God and we're fighting and fussing and dividing within ourselves, that's a family feud. Because we're all part of the family of God. Hallelujah. You might not like me, but I've been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm in the family like you are. I mean, some of us has got natural family members that we just soon not show up at the reunion because we know when they show up, they're going to cause trouble. Well, we got some in the spiritual family the same way. Come on. Hallelujah. It's not always it's not always the devil that shows up to church causing trouble, y'all. Well, you get sometimes you got some of our family members out, out, out off the off the edge, always ready to cause a stir and a strife. Am I talking right or not? Amen. Let's finish reading this about the feuds and struggles that exist among you. Where do you suppose they come from? Can't you see that they arise from conflicting passions within yourself? 
Ah, you crave for something and don't get it. You are jealous and envious of what others have got, and you don't possess it yourself. Now, I've seen this over a new church member come driving a new car in, and got uh, sometimes people get upset. How in the world are they able to get a new car? We supposed the Bible says rejoice for those who rejoice. Amen. I like to see my brothers and sisters blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm happy when somebody's going to get a better vehicle, a better house. But this is not just talking about worldly possessions and money. When he talks about craving for something uh, uh, that somebody has... And when we're talking about it in the church, it's also talking about positions. I can't tell you the amount of churches that's been split, tore all the, all the pieces, amen, because somebody can't stand because somebody else has got a job to do and they want their job. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory. Uh, so it ain't just talking about money and material goods here when we talk about lusting and craving for something somebody's got. Um, you crave for something and de- uh, uh, don't get it. You are jealous and envious of what others have got, and you don't possess it yourself. Consequently, in your exasperated frustration... You struggle and fight with one another. You don't get what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't go about it the right way. And when you do ask, he doesn't give it to you. For you ask in uh, quite the wrong spirit. And the King James says you ask amiss. You're asking in the wrong motive. A lot of times we pray and ask God for things, and God don't give it to us because our motive ain't right. Amen. Woo, my, 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 this is tight but right tonight. Hallelujah. You, oh, listen to this. You only want to satisfy your own desires. Hallelujah. I've run smack dab head on to this. Amen by people in the church willing to see everything destroyed than to yield to the right spirit. You, uh, now, remember in the King James he called them adulteresses? Um, that's not talking about, now again, this is, he's speaking spiritually, allegorically, and when he called them adulteresses, he's talking about spiritual adultery. He said, here's what it says, look, uh, you are like the unfaithful wives flirting with the glamour of this world and never realizing that to be the world's lover means becoming an enemy of God. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. 
Think about how we read it in King James. Amen. Flirting with the glamour of this world. When God's people in the church begins to flirt with the things of the world, God says you commit adultery. Let me, let me finish reading, then I'll talk some more. Anyone who deliberately chooses to love the world is therefore making himself God's enemy. Do you think what the Scriptures have to say about this is a mere formality? Or do you imagine that the spirit of passion, passionate jealousy, is the spirit he has caused to live with us now? That spirit didn't come from God. No, he gives us grace potent enough to meet this and every other evil spirit. If we are humble enough to receive it, that is why he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's James 4, 1 through 6 in the Phillips translation of the Scripture. So, now, as we progress, James begins to deal with strife and discontent in the body. He asks the question, what is causing the fights and quarrels among the body of Christ to which he is writing? Why is the peace of God not being manifest as it should? Do you know the Bible says God is not the author of confusion? Hallelujah. They were living by the world's wisdom. This false worldly perspective says human beings should do whatever it takes to get what they want in this life, even if it hurts other people. My Lord, James says that to live that kind of way is spiritual adultery. If you're just constantly thinking about yourself and you try to live your life in a pattern of the world, it's just spiritual adultery. Although they have professed to be married to Christ, They were acting like unfaithful wives, flirting with the glamour of this world and never realizing that to be the world's lover means becoming the enemy of God. What did 1 John say? I believe this is 1 John. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, how does he finish? The love of the Father is not in them. Wow. We should trust Him to provide, to be the judge, and to lift us up in His time. If you feel like you need to be uplifted into another place or position, leave, leave that to God. Hallelujah. Amen. If you go into church somewhere and uh, pastor, don't use you for this or that or whatever, and he's calling on somebody else. Trust that God is directing the man of God, and that God knows if God wants you to say something or do something, God knows how to speak to him, and you'll be called in the time you need to be called. Hallelujah. There's two things, two or three things we need to learn. One is patience. 
that don't come easy for most people. That don't come easy. And then after we learn patience, we need to learn obedience. Do you know the Bible says that a man's gift, and that means a woman too, a man's gift will make room for him. The 20 years that I evangelized, most of those years, that time, I wasn't affiliated with any organization or association. I was independent. I didn't, I didn't get in, uh, in, into any organization until a little bit later. But God had called me, gave me the gift for me to use, and I didn't ever, I did not ever have to sit down by a phone and start calling churches and other pastors, pastors asking them, can I come preach a revival? God always opened the doors. I never failed to have a place to preach because the Bible said a man's gift shall make room for him. Why don't you use me for this, brother? Uh, brother Pruitt? Why don't you use me for that? Don't never try to promote yourself. Let God promote you. Amen. Hallelujah. This is good stuff tonight. And if we learn, if we learn that, we will be blessed by God and used by God much sooner. Hallelujah. We should trust him to provide, to be the judge, to lift us up in his time. In humility, we must acknowledge that all our plans are dependent on him, and he can change them at any moment. Sister Darlene and I knew for two and a half or three years before it happened, that God was preparing us to transition from evangelist to pastorship. <laughs> Some of the hard things that we went through before that, God, we knew God was preparing us for what He wanted us to do. Amen. And the first time that um, we, we pastored, uh, a lot about that situation I still don't understand but there's one thing about it I don't, I don't doubt at all I know God sent us there beyond a shadow of a doubt I was out mowing my grass one day and it was Darlene or one of the kids one came and hollered at me that I had a phone call, uh, so I shut down the mower, went inside, and um, uh, somebody was talking to me and told me, said, oh, did you know Pastor so-and-so left his church and is taking over a church somewhere else? I said, no, I hadn't heard. He said, yes. said, he's already moved. And uh, the church that he was referring to 
We had done been, we'd been there several times and uh, preached for them and helped the pastor out when he was going to be out of town or sick or something like that. And we talked a few minutes, hung up, and I went out back outside and cranked up my mower again, started pushing it more. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And this is what he told me. He said, I have moved him out in order to move you in. I was like, wow, what in the world? I hadn't thought about that place. I mean, we hadn't been up there in a while. And it wasn't but another day, I got a phone call from one of the brothers of that church uh, telling me that uh, about their old pastor gone and said, we need somebody desperately to, to preach Sunday. Could you come this Sunday? And uh, we went. And um, God opened that door. Uh, and um, a lot of people in the church today, though, uh, they, they don't know how to wait upon God, on God's timing and what God wants. Now, in talking about and finishing up what we're, we're saying here, and I'm, I'm going to wind it down, James had identified the root of their problem, of the people he was writing to. These believers in God refused to trust him to provide what they needed. They refused to even ask God for what they wanted. Remember what he said, you have not because you ask not? They refused to even ask God for what they wanted. God might say no. I mean, I don't want to ask God. God might tell me no. After all, so they chose, now, now this is it, they chose to imitate the world and mimic the ungodly in their fleshly desires. They decided to do it the way the world does it. James is clear. Christians who choose to continue to live according to the wisdom of the world, driven by envy and ambition, seeking what they want above all else, are not living as friends of God. They are living in adultery as God's enemy. That is powerful. That is very powerful. So, many years has come and gone. Much water has ran out of the bridge as the saying goes. The sad thing about it is you still find churches that's got all kind of confusion. Amen. Different ones pulling this way and that way. Uh, I've had to deal with what I call the Absalom spirit. Absalom. Who was Absalom? Let me give you a hint. He had he had real long hair. His hair got him hung up, didn't it? Well, Absalom had a desire to run the show. 
And so he began to go out in Jerusalem, and he would get out there at the gate of the city, and the people of Jerusalem who was fixing to come to his daddy uh, uh, to get advice uh, and um, handle situations, he would stop them and uh, take over and do it himself. And he said, oh, that I could be ruler of Israel. That's the Absalom spirit. Um, that's, that's in some congregations. Uh, and I'll say this while I'm talking about this. Nobody else, I don't care if it's a preacher or who it may be, uh, a teacher or a regular lay person, don't need to be calling other mem- members in the church trying to advise them because they're stepping into pastor's position. Hallelujah. And they should, nobody should be calling you talking about some other kind of issue and problem in the church. Somebody, if I wasn't pastor and somebody would call me and try to tell me about this problem, that problem, I'd cut them off in a heartbeat and say, well, wait a minute, have you talked to the pastor? You need to let him know about that. That brings strife and division in the body. Amen. And that's never done with a right spirit, folks. I don't care how good a person you think they might be, they're out of the will of God when they do that. They're out of the will of God when they do that. If God ever thinks I can't handle this position, he'll move me out and replace me. Hallelujah. He, he, I, I was kind of concerned, hallelujah, when I come back from Hot Springs. I didn't, I didn't know if Brother Paul was going to have my name painted over out front or not. <laughs> Pastor Ronnie Pruitt painted over there. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking about that, bro. I'm joking. <laughs> Let's all stand together. Praise the Lord.